Hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is a podcast produced by Eastern European journalists and academics. I am your host, Maria Cernat, an academic based in Bucharest. And with me, two very nice guys, Yuri Smother from OnePlus One, the guest and the usual co-host of the show, Boyan Stanislavski. He's a Bulgarian-born Polish journalist. Thank you for being here with us. Hi. Thank you. And you should send that memo to 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 the people who give us hate mails and, and, and trollist messages. <laughs> okay, well done. Now we discussed and we had a little bit of a heated debate about scenarios regarding Romania. And we discussed what would happen if the power balance in the region changes, but Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The conflict in Ukraine is far from being over. And we have some signs that the West is not so hawkish as it used to be in the sense that we had the RAND report saying that the prolonged conflict with Russia is not a way to go forward for the United States. We also had a very interesting report for the, for, uh, from uh, International Monetary Fund that said that basically Russia is going to have an economic growth and the economic growth is going to be much bigger for China, for instance, and not things are not going to go very well from the economic point of view for Germany and the United States. That being said, it's also very sad to see that the prime minister of Poland made some declarations just a few days ago that I find to be very, very dangerous. Why? Just at the time, Boyan, and I wanted to comment, and of course, Yuri, I want to also you to tell us what you think. Just in the moment where since things seems to be moving in the right direction, we had also some revelations made by the ex-foreign uh, minister of Israel saying that the United States of foreign powers, Western powers, were preventing peace negotiations between Zelensky and Putin. Uh, yes, there is a sense uh, the, uh, in the air that... There is a feeling, you know, there's something in the air suggesting that, that there may be a way to, to, to reach peace in this, this horrible conflict. We have the prime minister of Poland saying that it is now time to double down on the attacks on Russia. It is a civilizational fight between Uh, liberal democracies between freedom and authoritarianism. And it puts, you know, this conflict in apocalyptic terms. It is like we have to engage in the final battle for our lives even. And it is so perverse since I would say that the same person would say that escalation of the conflict with a major nuclear power would not be a better for our lives, but for our death and total annihilation, right? So I want to have your your take on this, uh, Boyan. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Well, first, let me start off by disagreeing uh, with what you said about the West not being as hawkish as it uh, used to be with regards to the war in Ukraine. On the contrary, I think the Rand Corporation report is just another report that's going to be disregarded and ignored. And it's not the first and not the last report which emerges uh, or originates from American corporate or close to power centers uh, organizations or, or structures. That has been, and, and you know, I don't want to go into the list of people who are who used to be the you know, very, very, very reactionary and right-wing and imperialist and so on and so forth, who said that what America has undertaken against Russia and China and, you know, all those uh, all those things is very stupid, but they've not been listened to. And I, I think it just we're, we're going to see another instance of that. And uh, what proves this point, what potentially proves this point, are the purges organized in Kiev, uh, you know, supervision, obviously, by the American embassy or by the American NATO advisor, advisors or whatever, uh, that were carried out by Zelensky, because we can now see the most unhinged people, you know, like, for example, the new minister of uh, the new minister of defense of Ukraine. I mean, this is a crazy concept in general to switch your minister of defense uh, while you're in at war. But OK, they've done it and they've changed from bad to worse. I mean, now we've had, we, we have this guy who, uh, Kirill Budanov, who is who used to be the, um, uh, the 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 director, the leading mm-hmm. owner in the military intelligence of Ukraine, who's crazy. I mean, he really thinks that the or he yes, the yes, yes, yes. that we're going to be getting you know Crimea soon back and you know the Donbass. No, right but there. I want to insist here for the viewers that he thinks. Putin is not the real Putin and mm-hmm. he has some sort of people imitating him, you know, and he's oh, not the, the real the guy. I mean, double, no, this that, that guy is really looking at the, the West always props up for, yeah. for, for yeah, 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 yeah. But let's, let, let's, you know, let's leave this kind of psychological, psychiatrical. Okay, but, 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 but does he have links to the Azov battalion? This, the, 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 this I mean, curve? personally, I don't know, but he's, uh, I, I really, I mean, I have not investigated his biography to this extent. I just know about his views on certain things that were expressed and i think that basically all the that's my of course speculation but i think that those purges those catership transgressions and stuff like that they are all linked to the fact that you know this this little this little bit of a dispute that seem uh, that seems to have been happening over the last couple of months between the pentagon and the state department let's just put it that way simplistically the state department has won and is basically preparing ukraine for even bigger for, for more escalation basically that's that's what's happening and here is where the polish prime minister steps in now i understand maria's fears and I, you know, Maria, you're not the first person, of course, to have asked me, like, are you crazy, guys? Because, this, you know, I get it every once in a while, right? Uh, and, and here is, here, and I even see that on other channels, by the way. If you go to channels like the New Atlas, you know, a channel that I, I, I really, uh, that I follow, I find very interesting, very competent, and very balanced. Uh, yeah, or if you go to the Duran, you know, the two guys that, the two Alexanders that do this uh, analysis every every day, basically. You know, they also go, they also make conclusions, which I think are a bit over the top sometimes with regards to the Polish, uh, to the situation in Poland and to Polish authorities. And, and why is this happening? Well, because you make the assumption that it's for real, like that it's serious what they're talking about, that the Polish prime minister can be taken seriously, because after all, according to our constitutional, you know, 
power structure of power, he's the most important politician in Poland, like his position. But fact of the matter is that this person is 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 a you know professional uh compulsive liar. I mean if I if I met him in a restaurant and you know I would not even ask for the way to the bathroom. Okay. Because <laughs> if he had given me directions I would go the other way because just just He just keeps lying. I mean, this is like 90% of everything he says is just pure lies. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, he's not a serious person. He does not have a, the slightest idea about, you know, international politics and how things are on the fronts of, of the Ukrainian war. He has no idea about that at all. He is a bankster and a kind of, that's that's it. That's his, his record. That's his uh, professional background. That's the limit of his knowledge, views, understanding, perception, and so on and so forth. That's it. Otherwise, he's, of course, like many people in Eastern Europe, obsessed, like many people, politicians, political people in Eastern mm-hmm, Europe, mm-hmm. he's, of course, obsessed with this kind of, you know, clash of civilizations that... Yes, yes, you know, yes. Huntington and that kind of stuff. Like that there is this good, liberal, democratic, freedom-cherishing... Uh, civil liberties cherishing West and then the there are abortions. dark wars, you know, and, and this dark force is like, it's, it's giving, it's by the day, it's getting just more and more ridiculous to the extent that you can only be laughing at it. Like, you know, now the way that this is portrayed is like, you know, Xi Jinping, for example, like I'm making it up right now, but this is how, how this is the level of it. Like Xi Jinping and Putin sitting, you know, one day in a room eating some, some I don't know, expensive dinner or something and going like, how do you, th- what, what do you think, Xi Jinping? How about I invade Ukraine? Because I'm such a maniac, you know, I don't, I, I get bored, you know, every afternoon. How about we just go into, and, and then Xi Jinping goes like, Putin, of course, go ahead and invade Ukraine. I'm going to invade Taiwan. <laughs> Create a totalitarian state, you know. <laughs> Let's take the whole of Europe, and and this is, I mean, this is how it's being presented. Of course, not very directly in this manner, but this is more or less how people are supposed to understand the whole conflict. And of course, because the Polish Prime Minister is the proponent of this interpretation, okay, then he has to say all those unhinged things in order to justify the atmosphere that he's producing, you know, alongside, of course, many other people in Poland and outside Poland, the European Union, Collective West, and so on and so forth. So he will say that every once in a while. The real question is, for me, not why does he... Of course, he's an ignorant person. He just says things that, you know, he thinks other expect of him to say. And I, he also probably thinks that it's just fashionable now to be Uh, kind of increasingly aggressive towards Russia because he sees the Americans doing it every once in a while. And apparently the Americans love it that the Polish do it because it, had it been the other way, then they would have pulled them by the ears and would have told them, like, guys, like it was... So in other words, the Americans, particularly, you know, those who like Biden, Clinton, and, you know, you know and Obama, that wing of the... Uh, military uh, industrial complex so they like it when a pull when, when their polish puppet yeah. talks about fire and fury but when it's pumpkin head who, who i think is going to win uh against joe biden but when it's pumpkin head doing it that's that's like 
how no 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 don't talk yeah. like that <laughs> no, but this is but this is this is something yeah that's that of course you're right in general but i wanted to say that you know when the americans don't like the polish saber rattling you know the cheap saber rattling that they do all the time and this is the only thing they're good at within this conflict really when they don't like it what they do is they come and pull their ears that happened that happened in march 2021 when the polish real prime minister so to say i mean he's he doesn't have any he doesn't hold any position Jarosław Kaczyński the head of the ruling party but he is the the petty dictator of the internal political process in poland he takes all the decisions when he said you know, of course, out of stupidity, he didn't think about it. It was like a complete nonsense. But he went ahead and said it nonetheless, that NATO should maybe form some kind of peacekeeping mission that would have the capacity of defending itself against the Russians. In Ukraine, of course, this, this peacekeeping mission should uh... be formed. And then the Americans, that was March 2021, uh, 2022, sorry. Uh, then the Americans came in, uh, stepped in immediately and said like, hey, like next time you come to think about such things, you consulted first with us. Of course, I'm making it up now. Like, I don't know how it happened technically and what did they say, but I'm sure that they, you know, went out of their way in order to pull him back. And then even, you know, some other people, you know, from the American establishment had to basically deny this proposition. All right. And then they had to take, make Zelensky say that he is the leader of Ukraine and he will decide what kind of, uh, uh, what kind of army is going to operate in, in what way in Poland. So when the Americans don't like it, they will do this. But because Americans like it and Americans like, you know, Poland is now the equivalent. I, I, I don't even know how, what to compare it to, but Poland is like this, this clown, not even a puppet. It's just a clown. Like, okay, let them go and say some, some, uh, some stupid things or let them go and say some radical things. And that's it. Let's see how the Russians react. Maybe they do something stupid and then we can escalate in another way. Maybe we can just somehow, uh, maybe we can benefit from it one way or another in a kind of, uh, in a geopolitical manner somehow. So this is the situation. And now the Polish prime minister, he said a few very concerning things, okay? First thing that he said uh, was, I think, to the um, to the Spanish paper El Mundo on Monday, which is, what, two days ago, we're recording it on the 7th of uh, February. He said some, uh, he was asked by the journalist, are you happy now with the tanks that were sent to Ukraine because you were lobbying for sending tanks to Ukraine? And he said, I will only be happy after final victory is achieved or something like that. I'm quoting from memory, right? But this is, now, this is the question which actually I think refers to, uh, to, to what we discussed in the previous uh, program where Maria said that, you know, freezing the conflict would be the way to go. Now, this is, w- what do you mean by complete victory? How do you achieve complete? What and where has to happen in order for you to to claim that this victory is actually in place? Because obviously, yeah. if you come to think about all those nonsensical mm-hmm. claims that you know the I mean, Ukrainian victory is right around the corner and they're going to be getting back Crimea or whatever Donbass soon, that's a complete nonsense. Obviously, this isn't happening. I mean, I don't know what would have to happen in order for this to actually occur. So uh, my imagination is too poor for that, but obviously not the Polish prime ministers. So this is this is this is very dangerous because he seems to be saying, on behalf of the collective West NATO or whatever, he seems to be saying we're going to fight until those uh, 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 those goals, so like the last Ukrainian or something. Yeah, those goals are achieved, and they are unachievable. We know that, so we will basically exhaust everything in order to try and get there. 
And, and this is very dangerous, of course, because it can easily turn into some kind of, you know, uh, uh, it, it, into some nuclear uh, <clears throat> nuclear war, nuclear conflict. You know, so that's uh, that, that's one thing. Second thing he said, uh, because he was, of course, asked about that too uh, by the uh, by the Spanish journalist, was okay. So do you do you think that the war could spill over beyond Ukraine's territory? Do you think that it could happen? And, and are you prepared for that? And he said, of course, we're prepared for all scenarios. You know, in other words, he basically said, World War III, no problem. We're in, we're, you know, we're in. We're no. And, I, you know, again, I almost want to see how those people go to war. I mean, those people have failed every step of the way, okay, in, during the pandemic, now during in the, this economic breakdown, inflation and everything. And now they want to go to war. I just want to remind you that when they mobilized 15,000 people in 2021 to defend Poland from Lukashenko's provocations, who was sending people from Africa or whatever, uh, Central Asia, you know, as migrants through the Polish border, kind of smuggling them and so on and so forth, they've mobilized 15,000 uniformed policemen, border guards, uh, soldiers, and so on and so forth. The effect, the overall effect of the whole thing was... I think two deaths from alcohol intoxication and one spectacular uh, defection. That's one that's two, two to the Belarusian side. That was that was the uh, the effect, the aftermath of the whole thing. So now I want to see how they. I almost want to see. Like in fact, I don't want to see how they go to war. <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous, sad, pathetic, and tragic, of course. And now when they say those things. They are pretending to be an empire or they are expressing their hidden desire to be one. There was a time in history, not so long ago, when the Polish elites have had the same idea in their heads that we're going to be a local empire. It's time for us to assert ourselves. And this dream ended in 1939 or maybe in 1945, it ended with the complete and utter destruction of the whole of the Polish state. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into uh, how many people's, uh, how many people have lost their lives, you know, the Holocaust, the, you know, all those things, right? So this is, this is the situation. And it seems that we are repeating the same, we are going down the same path. Now, history never repeats itself. It repeats itself as a forest, but no one said that forest can only be comical. It will be comical, but it will also be much more tragic. Now, I also want to say that if anything like that happens, then we are not going to be saved again, like in 1945 by the Soviet Union. No, this time, you know, the Russians will have learned their lessons and will say, okay, burn. That's what's what's going to happen. And I uh, I really want to... I really want to prevent it, like by all means. And I think freezing of the conflict makes sense in a way that both sides can save some face for their own purposes. Because on the one hand, we have the West, which is hell-bent on just defeating Russia, weakening Russia, and, you know, all those things. And on the other side, we have the Russians who say that for them is a question of life and death. So we have to get somewhere. And I see the following scenario. I think that we should look for voices in Ukraine, particularly in Western Ukraine, what kind of home 
do they want to live in? Because I do not believe that after one year of this horror of war, they still believe and dream about this, you know, the, the, the big Ukraine that they once had. I don't believe that they can, they, they even believe that it's possible. I don't believe that they want to live with all those people uh, from, from the East, from, from the South, uh, after this, uh, th- this one year of horrible, horrific hostilities. I don't believe, I believe they want something. They want home. And I think that it's the responsibility of the so-called, sorry for this cliche, international community to help them define this home because Donbass is not uh, going to be part of, of uh, future Ukraine. Uh, Crimea is not going to be part of future Ukraine. Kherson and probably Odessa isn't going to be part of future Ukraine. So let's just come and think about what kind of future Ukraine do we want? Because if we don't come to think about it, if there is no reverse gear, and I don't see any indications of that, then what is going to happen is that this huge hammer of the 300,000 mobilized soldiers uh, by, by the Russians is finally gonna fall. And when it falls, we don't know how, you know, where is it going to stop? And I'm absolutely convinced, as many of our guests, by the way, uh, have, have also expressed this view, they will not want to occupy the whole of Ukraine. Obviously not. They don't even have the capacity uh, for that at the moment, at least. But what they will do, if there is no uh, kind of, there is no, no will on the part of the West you know, to actually negotiate some kind of freezing exactly of the conflict, then what they will do is they will secure what they need to secure and they will make sure, militarily, unfortunately, will probably make sure that, you know, the rest of the Ukraine that they don't want, that they don't want to incorporate, is nothing but, you know, a burning uh, spot of soil, somewhere in, in, in Eastern Europe. And this is a kind of freezing of conflict that I don't want to see. I want to see a freezing based on self-determination of those people who want to live in some kind of Ukraine. And they deserve a solution. Those people who are, you know, the Ukrainian migrants in exile today in Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, and all other countries, they deserve a solution. They need a solution. They are entitled to it. And they don't want to live. And no one wants them to live in permanent exile. They should have a home. And we should start discussing what kind of home could they have. And whom are we going to discuss it with? Of course, not myself, not Maria, not you, Yuri. But the West has to start discussing it with Russia. And I think they should start in order to be able to save face, in order to be able not to... Sh- to yes, yes, it's very important. their own will, they should, I think, do it in with the people or based on the opinions of the people who still live in West Ukraine or who want to go back to Ukraine, to some kind of Ukraine, from wherever they are right now in exile or in, in you know, in refugee. Yes, in- I, I would definitely say so. And I think it's, it's very important to have this kind of conversation because, and it's very important. And I'm keep hoping because I'm keep reading reports. No, I think that things are not really settled uh, the way I want to push back a little bit because I don't sense this type of, uh, you know, enthusiasm on the part of the European countries. And I see the Turkey starting to say that negotiations were stopped. Israel had uh, its um, foreign minister reveal some of the details of the peace negotiations that were prevented, apparently, by uh, countries in the West. So 
I don't see that there is this type of enthusiasm and, um, I think uh, also there is a pro-peace movement in the United States and it will grow and it will not grow because people are so enthusiastic and pro-peace, but because they have really, really a hard time facing the hardships of economic sanctions that finally turn also against or mostly against those who, who suggested it in the first place. So maybe, maybe there is hope. At least I'm hopeful because otherwise it will be exactly what you said. It will be more war, more destruction, and the chance of spilling over, with, with it will be even greater. But I want to address an, another thing here. I think it's important to mention also this concept of freedom of sovereignty. Now, here I may surprise you, but I like very much the fact that the United States were able to project their power with soft power in a sense that, for instance, in Romania, for a long period of time, Romanians looked up to the Americans like the ideal country. They were very, very enthusiastic. They are very, very, you know... (sighs) enchanted almost, you know, it was like magic for them to to think of the United States. And this is a very clever way to project power, because if you get into the people's heads, you don't need weapons anymore. So this is a thing that we have to admit that the United States uh, has. Now, the problem with how this connects to the problem of sovereignty Well, I do think that the Americans were very powerful in terms of propaganda and they managed to impose this idea that if a country wants to join a military alliance, it should be free to do so. Yeah. But this is problematic. And I will tell you why. I even talked to my parents who are also keep repeating this mantra over and over again and other acquaintances. And I told them, look, when I wanted to form an NGO in my apartment, an NGO, not a NATO base, okay? An NGO. I had to make sure that my neighbors agree, okay? And I had to get their written approval to do so. Unfortunately, we may want it, but we do not live alone in this world, okay? There are billions of us, and the way to make sure that conflicts are prevented is when you try to do something major like this, you also ask the neighbors because like it or not, they are your neighbors. You have to live with them. And we know this may be very difficult, but also, you know, there is this question of freedom. The United States were very powerful and they were able to impose this idea of self-determination, freedom, joining whatever alliance we want. It sounds so good, isn't it? But it's, you know, it's propaganda, you know, because the real and the practical issue is that you always have to take, unfortunately, into consideration the others if you don't want the others to react violently, okay? <laughs> so now I will shut up and let Yuri uh, discuss or to have your take on that. Damn! <laughs> like, I don't know, there's like so much of what you guys said, like, uh, I, like my mind is still pondering a lot of things, but I don't know. I think uh, I was uh, talking with uh, with uh, you know you know with a guest off camera on, uh, on one plus one. It was a mostly private conversation, so I can't re- so so, I, so I'm not going to reveal too much. But we but the conversation of 
how do we get you know peace you know between Ukraine and the West and uh, Russia and I just kept thinking of of a lot of my of a lot of our conversations here on the barricade and on one plus one with uh, Boyan, which is that unfortunately, due to Western imperialism, this idea that Ukraine will ever go back to what it was before the uh, U.S. Canadian NATO meddling of 2014, it's over, guys. It's over. Ukraine is going to be three partitioned countries. It's going to be Western Ukraine, uh, allied literally with the West. It's going to be uh, a uh, another partition Ukraine, which uh, w- w- which may not join the Russian Federation, but it definitely does not want to be married to Ukraine anymore. And of course, you know, uh, uh, Donbass, uh, which w- w- which like Crimea, will will want to be married to the Russian Federation. And anyone who is and anyone who even thinks that Ukraine can go back to what it is as long as we keep stonewalling with Russia or 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 or, or continue this ridiculous proxy war like I'm sorry you guys are not living in the real world uh, so to speak and uh and uh you know Boyan you know said to me uh when when we had the end of the year uh program where uh, he was talking about a speech that Putin gave to the press, but it was basically, you know, directly to the Russian people. Putin said to, to, to the Russian people, I'm sorry I wasted decades thinking that the West will ever see us as equals. And I think, and we have to understand that the international community is not the effing West. It's not the European Union, NATO members, it's not Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, Canada, Britain, Germany, and the US. The international community is by and large the Asian countries, the African countries, the Latin American countries, who even if privately and internally they may not like Russia's actions in Ukraine or they may not like the style of government in Russia, but they are all overwhelmingly on the side of uh <laughs> Of uh, you know of Russia because they understand Russia's legitimate grievances and for them it's 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 Russian China is is the only sort of bulwark against the Western imperial order and I think so, so and 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 I, I believe Boyan was even, uh, if if I remember our conversation on the air you know on the barricade was saying that Putin just doesn't give a shit. Whether uh, what, how many sanctions that the West is going to shower on them, even if uh, negotiations uh, break down, because he's just going to be like, "Look, you guys can keep your NATO, you can keep sanctioning me, but the international community is on my side. I'm getting along with China. <laughs> I'm still, you know, permanent member of the uh, of the United Nations. I still have some veto power, so y'all can just kindly off and so forth and." That so that's that that's that that's that's sort of that that's sort of what keeps going through my mind when people keep saying, "Is there going to be peace? Will Ukraine ever have? Uh, will, will Ukraine ever get back to? Was is there a chance that like Crimea will ever like get back? Like no, I mean I think that's over. We've permanently we have sadly the West, our governments have permanently destroyed uh, Ukraine, and it will never go back to 
what it was before the 2014 <clears throat> meddling, which is why I keep saying to people that the root of all evil, the root of this conflict is not the Russian invasion or Russian imperialism, Russian uh, Russian capitalism. It's what your governments have. Uh, uh, it's it's what your governments have 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 done. And as Yasha Levine said, uh, you know, in an interview, a Ukrainian uh, American, uh, you know, Jewish independent journalist and geocritic, and, and so forth, he said that like, look, guys, w- the West supported the most reactionary movements in Ukraine. Which is why I keep. Which is why I say to people that just like what the West did with uh, in Syria supporting ISIS, just like what the West did with the Mujahideen, later the Taliban uh, in in the in, you know in the Soviet uh, you know Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan war, the West supported the most uh, the, the, the most reactionary movements, but, uh, but 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 Russia is still a nuclear armed country, which is why they can't militarily intervene even if the Rand corporation has wet dreams about it i think the i think what we're going to see is the i think the west will still be meddling in russian affairs i think they'll still try to have if not if not uh you know another you know a, a, another nalvani and so forth like that some other you know ally of bill browder i think they're going i think they'll they'll still try to do regime change within russia through the that's NGO. the goal that's the whole thing right i mean the whole thing is about regime change in russia in the final aftermath, that's exactly. That's, that's I think, but 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 I think but 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 I think the Russian deep state just knows that, like, look, we've learned through our mistakes with the counter revolution that saw the dissolution of the uh, USSR, and China is also very good at at, at foiling these Western uh, uh, re- re- regime change by nonviolent color, uh, you know, color revolution. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is uh, uh, like one correction here, because uh, this press conference that you referred to where Putin was basically apologizing to the Russian people, it was not a press conference. It was a meeting with the fallen soldiers, uh, sorry, with the mothers of the fallen soldiers, uh, of, of of those soldiers that had fought in Ukraine and had died and and have died. So that was that was and that was of course then you know uh, available on on the TV uh, and uh, you know multiple other places and you can see that on YouTube there are snippets of it here and there, so <coughs> I think that was that was even more powerful because of the context because he was not just addressing the nation he was just speaking to the mothers of the soldiers who who died because of the decision of invading Ukraine. So, which, I, but by the way, I think it takes a lot of civic courage to actually do that. I'd like to see an American president, for example, I don't know, meeting. I, 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 also, I, I, also, I also want to add that, uh, but, you yeah. know, I also want to add that, you know, think, uh, I mean, the, I mean, the Russian-Ukraine war is bloody. I don't, I don't ever want to minimize that. Very, I know, I, you know, I know, you know, I know somebody dear to me from Ukraine that lost uh, her uh, nephew or a niece. I can't remember the gender, but lost. You know, an underage, you know, you know, a person under the age of five to the Russian military intervention. So I don't ever, ever want to minimize how horrific the war has been. I know people get angry at me when I when when, when I criticize the Russian invasion, but that's a whole other story for another day. But the war, but but this this war could have been even more bloodier if the real, real hardcore neocons, whatever you want to call them, said, "Let's just." 
floods uh, uh, Ukraine with all sorts of weapons. And not only that, we're going to actually have our NATO troops uh, in Ukraine and do mm, this. Uh, that's coming. Thank God some cooler heads have prevailed with our imperialists. And thank God that some peace movements, mostly coming from Britain, the U.S., and Canada, the I mean, we don't have a peace movement in, in in Europe. I'm sorry, it's it's of almost non-existence. So 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 so, so thank God for that. But that being said, I just I I would I just hope that's that you know that some Ukrainians, even if they hate uh, what what you know you know what Russia has done, even if they still think that Russia is the root of all evil and not Western imperialism that provoked this conflict, I just hope that if they see how the how 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 the US is and even putting their own effing troops on the ground. NATO members are not even putting their own troops on the ground. It's just, yeah, here you go, guys, fight this <laughs> this neighbor of yours, which which has which has always dominated you in one form or another. I would just hope that that gives some people the disillusionment of what NATO membership and what being allied with the collective West. Well, yeah. I, I think because I think that I, I don't want to learn this lesson day, this way. Of, let me tell you. In the end of the day, in the end of the day, war is a racket. War is a racket. NATO is a racket. Uh, the military needs some kind of justification to stay there. I don't know why people can't disband it, but it needs some kind of justification. So it's like super center GDP on these on these ridiculous fl- fighter jets and like polluting and trying to ruin uh, Mount Senev and Montenegro, where people are protesting and trying to say you guys aren't welcome. I would just hope that some of those Ukrainians that do not become part of the long legacy of the expats community where they become weaponized immigrants. They fall into these, these, these cults of the victim of communism memorial center, the Ukrainian Canadian Congress where they lionize fucking Stepan Bandera. I would just hope that cooler heads prevail and they realize that, okay, we don't like Russia, but we can't trust the West either. So let's just go back to Ukraine. It's, 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 it's a divided partition uh, country and, Hopefully, with that, a real left peace movement can uh, can, can can flourish in Ukraine. There are only there, there, it's but, but, but even that is very you know small with uh, you know Yuri of World Beyond War and so forth in the pacifist movement there. Uh, so that's, no, that's- I, I think that I think that uh, I, I just want to make one more um, point here. I think that the partition of Ukraine, but this is of course only a speculation, so I don't have a crystal ball. But uh, I think it's unlikely that Russia will allow the kind of Western Ukraine to be, you know, a military outpost of the West. I mean, they can be aligned with the West in all kinds of ways, like, you know, culture or whatever that they... I, I don't know in what ways really one could... Whatever, be. secret nuclear or chemical weapons. No, no, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, uh, for sure, Russia isn't going to allow this. This is why I'm saying that perhaps, you know, perhaps... There is a slight chance that finally now, after one year, one year into this horrific war, someone in the West will compel the political establishment in America to say, like, guys, do we really want to go to the, get to the point where Russia takes what it wants to take or what it has must, what it considers that it must take in order to secure uh, its, its, you know, existence, okay? And then if we keep pushing, then they will just simply, you know, 
they will, I don't know what they're going to do, but I could easily imagine someone explaining to those Americans, uh, American politicians that are going to just bomb it back to the Stone Age and just make sure that nothing emerges there anymore anytime, you know, in the in, in the near future. Of course, I'm, I'm not saying that this will happen, but I'm afraid that this is the way things could go if there is no rapprochement and if, it, if there is no actual listening to the voice of the uh, Ukrainians who still live in, in Ukraine. I don't think that there will be three Ukraines. I think that maybe what we're going to be getting is like Ukraine, uh, which is going to be this new Ukraine, but not not the you know NATO outpost, just some kind of Ukraine that Russia will accept. And those people are going to accept in a sense that they don't want to be a part of Russia. They can even be hostile to Russia in their culture or whatever, but they will not be part of NATO, European Union, or any kind of alliance like that. And maybe we're going to be having some kind of, you know, uh, like we've had in the interbellum period, the Freistadt Danzig, which was the the, the free city of Gdansk, that like Gdansk, you know, the Polish, uh, which is now in Poland, but, you know, on the Baltic Sea, a huge harbor port and, you know, port city. It used to be a free city. It used to have the status of free city, basically. And there there were a few uh, small region... Mm -hmm. A small area around the city, so this is probably this could be Odessa, like you know, we could have this, this kind of thing. But I again, this is just my speculation. What I think is essential to the whole thing here is that we secure some home, homeland for the Ukrainian people who do not want to be part of Russia. Because, and I repeat that again, they also deserve a solution. The solution is not to keep them in permanent exile. And to have their former land, like old former West Ukraine, bombed back to the Stone Age just to make sure that NATO doesn't turn it into a military nuclear, even if you like, outpost for itself. And uh, that's that's the point I want to convey here. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good uh, point. And for the viewers, when we say all these things, we said for you to consider it. We don't gloat about it. We don't say, oh, so good that uh, Russia has its uh, security objectives met. This is the situation. I mean, the one thing I would insist for the final thought of the program is that Pushing for unrealistic expectations is going to lead nowhere but to exactly what Boyan said, destruction, annihilation, and there's no point in maintaining objectives no matter how, you know, positive or no matter how, I don't know, lovely if you want they are, no matter how inspiring they are, there is no point in persisting in these objectives that are not realistic at the moment. So that being said, thank you so much, Boyan and Yuri, for your thoughts. And to the viewers, you can subscribe to our Substack page. And to the extent that you can afford it, make a monthly donation or to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the barricade. This is where you can find it. And if you liked what you saw, uh, and to the extent, of course, that you feel you can afford it, please support us and Okay, I'll see you all in our next segment.